guys, welcome back. Giordano's Pizza was served. Hope you got plenty of slices. That was just the thin version. So if you want a thick one, you can grab one after the show. <laughs> We've talked a lot about brand and different perspectives of brand. I, I'm a firm believer that, especially in a commoditized-based market, brand and extremely good customer service, kind of like what John was talking about, be on the phone, is really the way of differentiating yourself. And so I wanted to bring in David Kelbaugh, who runs Tacklebox. Um, yeah, um, which is a really cool agency here in Chicago. Um, he's been focusing on brand for a long time, and this guy is really passionate about it too. I mean, if you Google his name, all these kind of volunteers and boards and all this stuff of brand really shine, shines through. So um, David has 20 years plus of experience working in this area, and he's able to apply it into a way that helps us in our market very specifically. So without further ado, David Kalbo. Thanks. Uh, I will take applause before a presentation. The question is, will I get applause after the presentation? That's the real question. Thank you guys for having me. What a nice turnout, great city. You guys finally brought good weather with you, for those of you that don't live here. So I want to talk about branding today. It's I told Bruce, like, I'm pretty much a one-trick pony. I've known since the age of 12 what I was going to do for a living, and I've been all on after it, studied it, lived it, learned it, and started my own company six years ago. Um, but before starting my own company, I got to work at really big advertising agencies, um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And I was surprised at the things that I learned and the perspectives that they had on the topic of branding and marketing. So the first part of today, I wanna to pull back the curtain on all of the things that I've learned that might surprise you about branding. And then I want to put in front of you a process that will allow you to enhance your brand with the intention of making more money. That is really the sole purpose of developing a brand a good brand gets you higher margins and more repeat customers. And what else could we ask for? The first part of the presentation is largely philosophical. Bear with me. It all comes to truth with case studies in the back. I'm going to move it along pretty quickly, but I'm open to interruptions, questions. You can throw things at me. Um, the light's kind of bright, so don't be afraid to yell out my name if you have a question. I live with um, my outspoken wife and two children under the age of six, so I am no stranger to interruptions. <laughs> but if I don't get interrupted, I'm just gonna keep going to try to let you guys know as much as I've been fortunate enough to learn about branding over the last 20 years, okay? So we're gonna talk um, a little bit about what the hell is a brand. I know it's important. People tell me that I need to do it, but I have a good logo and I have nice colors. Is that enough? The answer is no. In fact, in my six years of doing business as the owner of a branding agency, we have maybe recommended a new logo once and we have maybe recommended a new company name twice. So in the context of everything that a brand is, this might surprise you, a logo and your colors matter very, very little. Okay, so hopefully that catches your eye a little bit. 
We'll talk about a brand. Why is it important? What's the difference between a good brand and a bad one? How do we build a brand? Some examples. I've got some very big examples of companies you've heard of and some very small examples that you haven't heard of but hopefully will someday. And then how do I build a brand, okay? Just a little bit about myself. For 20 years, I've worked at the largest advertising agencies in the world, all in Chicago, Leo Burnett, Ogilvy, um, Draft FCB. When you work at large ad agencies, you get to work on very large advertising accounts. So I've had the good fortune of getting to know this gentleman and uh, this guy, who you may recognize. And then before that, I helped make, um, sorry, I helped manage parts of BP's advertising. So very big experiences, which were great, but ultimately not that rewarding. So I started my company, Tacklebox, six years ago with the belief that it's the brand with the most momentum that wins. It's not the brand with the best price. It's not the brand with the best customer service, although that's part of it. It's not necessarily the company with the best product that wins anymore. It matters how much momentum you have. And we can measure momentum in a lot of different ways. But our mission as a company is to help companies like yours, help companies like your clients build a brand and accelerate it into the marketplace with the intention of getting you the momentum you deserve and the profit margins that you deserve as well. Okay. We work with a lot of companies in and around Chicago, um, several of which you've, you've probably heard of, many of which you haven't. This is not about me anymore, so I will move on. We believe that when you get the brand right, when you get your company's brand right, the rest comes easy. Because the companies that know what a brand is and the companies that understand the power that a brand holds, they understand that their brand guides much more than their marketing. In fact, their brand, they let their brand guide every business decision that they make. From who they hire, to who they work with, to what they charge, to the software that they use, to the office decorations that hang in their office. And it's actually the companies that let their brand guide all of their business decisions, those are the companies that are winning. And I'm looking squarely in the eyes of Apple and Nike and Tom's Shoes. These are companies that have chosen to put brand before product, and guess what? They're experiencing great success. 40 years ago, it was all about making sales. That was the role of everybody in this room. Every chief marketing officer was all about making sales. And so based on the way consumers shopped 40 years ago, the way that we made sales is we took out advertisements in this thing that used to be called a newspaper. People used to read them on the weekends. So we would take out advertisements in the newspaper and hire salespeople. That's the way consumers shopped. And that's the way companies marketed, them, marketed themselves. About 20 years ago, somebody came to the realization that 80% of my revenue is coming from 20% of my customers. Maybe we should be less focused, less focused on getting new customers and more focused on taking care of the customers that we have. They're, they already know us, they already like us, and they're way more likely to spend again with us. Why are we wasting our time chasing new customers? This is when we started to hear things like 
loyalty programs, retention, customer relationship management, right, CRM. This is when Salesforce became a billion dollar company, by the way. So that was sort of the first revolution, was the move from making new customers to taking care of the current ones. And I would say now we're in the midst of yet another revolution. There. It's not just about making sales anymore or repeat sales, but it's about transforming current customers into advocates. And that is important now because all of your customers have the ability to scream from the mountaintop how wonderful you are through social media. And if we can get them to do that, we, they essentially become our outsourced marketing partners. And that is the holy grail. I would argue that Apple's biggest asset is its millions of hyper-loyal, hyper-vocal customers. And I would say that Apple has been able to get those customers, those loyal people, those influencers to talk about them, partly because their product is amazing. We have to give Apple credit on the product, but we maybe need to give Apple real credit on its branding. And we'll talk a little bit about Apple in a little bit, okay? So what we're seeing is the days of screaming how wonderful your product are, or how cheap it is, or how fast it is, or how local it is, the days of screaming product benefits are over. If I asked each and every one of you to stand up and tell me what makes your product so wonderful, there would probably be like six unique answers. <laughs> you guys are all great. But the things that make you wonderful and you wonderful, there's a lot of overlap there. And so it becomes very difficult to separate ourselves from the competition if all we're talking about is how wonderful our product is. Well, I'm the cheapest. Well, I'm the fastest. Well, I have the best customer service. And what about you? Well, I'm the cheapest. I'm the fastest. And I have the best customer service. It becomes a broken record in almost any industry. So we need to separate ourselves from our competition by talking about something else, talking about something that will excite people beyond product benefits. And so what the inspired companies are doing is they're allowing their brand to sit at the center of all of the business decisions that they have to make on a daily basis, not their product, not what they sell, if you continue to let your product sit at the center of everything that you do, you end up with a great exceptional product and a team of people that know how to build an exceptional product, but that's not enough to transform customers into advocates. What we need instead of exceptional products is momentum. And the best way to do that is to put your brand at the center of all of your business decisions. And I know what I just did. I asked you guys to put something that we may or may not totally understand at the center of all of your business decisions. That might scare you a little bit, and it probably should scare you a little bit, but all of the companies that are changing the world right now have chosen to do it. So let's explore that a little bit. In my experience working at the largest advertising agencies in the world, um, this is the process for building a brand. Get to know 
your customers. You may believe that you know your customers. You think that you understand why they've hired you or why they buy from you time and time again. But talk to them. Ask them. Sit them down. Put them in a focus group. Call them. Send a questionnaire. You can easily develop a research questionnaire on um, SurveyMonkey. Send it to them. First of all, they, people love expressing their opinions. That's why I'm up here right now, as a matter of fact. Secondly, by you, by asking them what they feel about your business, you're showing that you value them as customers, which is a good thing. And third of all, you'll probably be surprised by what you hear. So get to know them. Secondly, create what we call a brand concept for your company. It's going to force you to stop thinking about your company as a product-oriented organization, and it will start to force you to think about your company as a brand. And I will tell you, when you make that leap, amazing things happen. When you develop several brand concepts, you can ask your customers which one of them is most appealing. Hey, so-and-so, you've been a customer of mine for 10 years. I love you like a brother. We're thinking about reintroducing our organization to the world in a different way. I want you to look at these things that we call brand concepts and tell, tell me which one's your favorite, which one speaks to you the most. It's, it's okay if you think of them as advertisements, but they're not really advertisements. You can get feedback, and now all of a sudden, you're able to do what Nike, Apple, and Tom's has, has done in transforming yourself from a product-oriented organization to a brand and get peace of mind in the process because you've already talked to the people that matter the most. Let's keep in mind, when it comes to building a brand, the opinions of us here in the room as CEOs or salespeople matter, but we're not building the brand for us. We're building the brand for our customers and our future customers. So it would be crazy to go through this process without talking to them. Once you have a selected brand concept, you can start to create all of the marketing things that you're gonna need, right? The business cards, the pitch decks, the website, the social media. But all of that stuff starts to come easy because you have clarity on what your brand should stand for. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. On the topic of brand, these are some um, tidbits that I've picked up that have stuck in my brain over the last 20 years. Your brand and your product are separate things. Let's think of them as two separate things. Your product is nothing more than how your company makes its money. Your brand, on the other hand, is how your organization should be remembered. Branding is all about getting your company to be remembered in the right way. And that is quite a different discipline than trying to sell as much product or service as possible. They are two separate disciplines. They both fall under marketing, but make no mistake, branding and sales, branding and product development are completely separate, completely. Run the risk of being noticed. Dare to be different. In other words, if you're not looking at what your competitors are up to, and you're not making moves to stand out from what they're doing, you're doing yourself a disservice. The first advertising agency I ever worked at, at the age of 13, I think it was, their tagline was, run the risk of being noticed. 
And there's a couple things going on in there. One, it pays to be different from a marketing perspective, but two, it's scary and it's risky. But fortune favors the bold, especially in marketing. Try to be remembered by something greater than the product that you sell. <clears throat> we'll talk about that one later. People will never care about your product as much as you care about your product, unfortunately. And there's a wonderful TED Talk called Start With Why. If you haven't seen it, write it down, Google it. It's about 18 minutes. There's a book by the same name. Skip the book. Watch the video. That's what got me through college, by the way. Skip the book, watch the video. But this guy, Simon Sinek, he's become very popular and very cool, and you've probably seen him talk. He says the goal is not to do business with people who want what you have. The goal is to do business with people who believe what you believe. And when you start to do that, your customers are willing to pay more. They're willing to forgive you in the event of a mistake. And they're way more likely, this is the most important part, to become your advocate if you deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Okay? I mentioned a bit ago this notion of a brand concept. I want you guys to, if you had to brand, put, put up a, a wall-sized poster. Suppose for a second that costs $5,000. So I'm putting some pressure on you to do this right. If you, in your headquarters, had to put a poster that was the size of a wall, imagine it behind the reception desk or whatever. Just envision the largest wall you have in your office. And you had to hang something like this in it. What would you say? Now, hopefully this process is kind of new to you, but also kind of scary. But we as organizations, if we're going to attract customers who believe what we believe, and we just talked about the benefits of that, we have to be telling the world not what we sell or how much cheaper, faster, better, or how wonderful our customer service is. We need to be telling the world what we as an organization believe. <clears throat> Why do we exist? So, by the way, in every, all of the times I've worked on, very, on any kind of advertising account, we had this completed. And sometimes if we showed up to a meeting without this completed for that client, we would be in very deep trouble. That's how important this is to the famous brands that are out there. And I'm proud to be exposing it to you guys because it really is powerful. We are company X and we believe blank. If I asked each and every one of you to stand up on your chair right now and say, we believe blank, what would you say? What is that one core foundational belief that drives everything that you do? What is your mission statement? Why should I believe you? I've never heard of you. Give me some reasons. I don't know you. You seem like a very nice gentleman. I like your logo. A friend of mine used your company one time, but beyond that, I don't have any good reason to believe you here today. So we need to fill out all of the reasons why we're credible, why you should believe us. Who are your big clients? What are your revenue? How many offices do you have? Do you have a satisfaction guarantee? What's your typical turnaround time? Are you with the Better Business Bureau? Do you have reviews on Yelp? 
All of these things matter. And all of these things are at people's fingertips these, day by, these days, by the way, too. Of course, you're going to need a logo. I'm assuming all of you have that. Don't change it. It's probably good enough. Okay? But I want you to put underneath it two or three words that describe exactly what you're selling. You see, what's happened here is most companies, when they present themselves to the world, they say what they do up here. We are a silk screening company located in Topeka, Kansas, that provides fast turnaround, low-cost solutions for companies of all sizes. Wah, wah. Let's not tell the world what we do. Instead, let's tell the world what we believe. Let's put a core truth out there. And if we do that, what's going to happen is we're going to turn away customers. And that's a good thing. Because if a customer doesn't believe what we believe as an organization, then we don't want them in the first place. Those are the pains in the ass customers that ask you for cheaper, faster. What we need is customers who are philosophically aligned with our organization because we know that they will pay top dollar for it. That's what's happening. This is, this is as important to turning off the wrong customers as it is attracting the right customers. You see how that happens? So down here, if you're premium, put premium. If you're expensive, put expensive. Be different. The cost prohibitive silk screening company. <laughs> we believe sometimes things are worth the price. The reassuringly expensive silk screening company. Why not? You'll never be bickering with people about prices. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the three or four words that tells the world what you do, right? So you guys are not famous enough like Nike is. Nike doesn't need to tell the world that they are an athletic shoe company, right? But you guys do. You have to. And if you never let those three or four words leave your logo, it's going to help you out from a search engine optimization perspective. It'll find its way into your meta tags. You guys are simply not famous enough to drop a description of what you do from underneath your logo. If you're a software company, you know, software for the silk screening company. Don't be afraid to be direct about that. Anyway, I got about 10 minutes, but let me roll. So this is how Nike chose to more or less uh, present itself to the world. Instead of saying we are Nike and we make great athletic shoes for men and women, in a variety of all sizes. You know, that's a very product-oriented approach. Nike decided to be remembered by something greater than the product that they sell. So they said, and this is kind of fictional, but it gets the point across. They say, we are Nike and we believe there's an athlete in all of us. We exist to help you find your greatness. You should believe us because we have excellent designers, access to incredible materials, and our items have been tested extensively at the professional level. Back before Nike was famous, they had to tell people what they do. So that's the descriptive modifier for Nike back in their early days, Nike athletic apparel. So now you can see this is much more inspired than the approach that Reebok may have taken, talking about the quality of their stitching and the soles of their... Reebok is, I hope, I don't know how public this video is gonna be, but I believe that Reebok's uh, days are numbered. 
because they, from day one, decided to be remembered as a shoe company. And so now they, they're unable to scale into other industries. They're unable to sell surfboards like Nike is because Nike chose from day one to be remembered by something greater than the shoe that they, that they sell. And now Nike has an inspired way to develop their culture, decorate their offices, hiring the right people. They're not hiring nothing but sneakerheads, right? They're hiring people that are committed to making the best of humankind, and that's the kind of staff that you want as you build out your company, your web, their website. A great belief-based brand strategy happens to lead quite easily to really great advertising because Nike didn't feel compelled to do a diagram of their shoe and talk about the fabrics and the rubbers and the stitching and the soles. Because Nike was never really a shoe company, if you think about it. Nike just happened to sell shoes. You guys just happened to be in the silk screening company, but their business, but there is something that's greater than that for you. Nike not only makes exceptional advertisements, and quite easily, because of this, but they're also able to scale in and out of other industries. They can make skateboards, surfboards, bathing suits. How many of you would buy a surfboard from Reebok? Like, nobody. I tell my friends at Gatorade, like, be careful of the day that Nike starts to sell sports drinks. I think we would buy sports drinks from Nike. But we wouldn't buy sports drinks from Reebok, right? And that's the power of the brand. I'm wearing Reebok. I'm wearing Nikes. <laughs> no, Reeboks are, Reeboks are very good shoes. And Reebok is a shoe company. But Nike is something somehow magically much more, right? That's the difference. And I'm sure, like, I, I was, was definitely willing to overpay for my Nikes. I don't, that'd be an interesting question. How much would you be willing to overpay for your Reeboks, you know? That's the power of the brand, is you're somehow buying much more than the product. I want to talk about, do you guys know Shinola as a brand? Show of hands, just because I'm curious. Okay. Detroit. Detroit. We got some Detroit people here. Um... I don't think it's a very good name for a company, but again, names don't matter that much, says the guy that's been in branding for 20 years. A little bit surprising, I know. But um, this was, it was like Facebook was listening to this presentation and decided to serve me this advertisement a few weeks ago. I was on Facebook, and this was the ad that came through my newsfeed. So Shinola, and they say, literally, this is their advertisement. So they're onto something, they know something. We believe a proper timepiece should do one thing well, and that's keep time. Think about what they're, what they're really saying there is. This is what we believe, do you believe it? Would you be interested in buying a, a great, remarkable timepiece that simply tells time? Well, if so, read on. If not, go to Apple and buy an Apple Watch. So they're carving out a position that's based on a belief and not a product benefit, although there's a little bit of both there. 
So they've decided to anchor their brand around a belief, and then from there, from that belief, their copywriters, their creative team, has had a little bit of fun creating an advertisement. So right underneath this, in my news feed, was this. <laughs> this, is, this is branding at its finest, in my personal opinion. And it's a dig at Apple, right? It's a, totally a dig at the Fitbit. It's totally a dig at the Apple Watch. Can you read this one? It says, a watch so smart that it can tell, the time, tell you the time just by looking at it. This is very good marketing. And again, it's all anchored on a belief, right? So they started with the belief, and then from there they built out their marketing. A great looking watch with average intelligence. This is like marketing at its greatest, okay? So a couple more examples. This is a, uh, a client of Tacklebox's, Procter & Gamble. They have developed and launched a laundry delivery service under the, the brand of Tide. So Tide, the detergent, is looking to expand and spread its wings. So they've developed a laundry delivery service, and we um, helped encourage them to move away from talking about how great the service is to talking about why the service is. And so the brand concept, I think we developed six of them. We had them all statistically validated and tested through market research. So we got feedback. This is serious business. If, if we're telling a company like Procter & Gamble to stop talking about how great their product is and start talking about something else, this makes them relatively nervous. So we did all kinds of research, and at the end of the day, this was the brand concept that is now supporting the launch of this product. At the end of the day, Tide Spin is now about saving you time and less about they're, they're a company that's all about saving, getting you more time. They just happen to do it by taking care of your laundry for you. We believe we could all use a little more time. Basically, we're saying, do you disagree? No, man, I got all the time in the world. Well, then we don't, don't read any further. This is not a match made in heaven. But if you struggle for time, and might want to find the time to go do something fun and interesting, you see what, what's going on here? Then boy, do we have a product for you. We exist to lighten your load by doing your laundry for you. It's now easier and faster than you've ever imagined. This frees you up for what you need to do, or better yet, what you want to do. And so now, this is the brand concept that tested the best, we can start to build out all of the marketing materials that are needed, right? Needed to do its job and to make new customers. This was um, digital advertising that we developed for them. This is um, advertisements that were all over the, the L, all over the Chicago train system. And see, we're not really talking about laundry delivery here. We're talking about free time. That's really, at the end of the day, what we're delivering. So what are you guys delivering? Are you delivering peace of mind or speed? You're all kind of delivering shirts and beautifully 
silkscreen shirts and apparel, but if you couldn't say that that's what you're delivering, what are you delivering? In the case of Tidespin, it's free time. When does Tidespin come out? They launched um, several years ago. <laughs> and, well, they, they've actually done very well and have acquired another company and have actually taken the brand name of that other company for reasons that are beyond me. So they're doing well. No. They actually acquired another company, took the name of that other company, and have since renamed themselves again, Tide Cleaners. I don't know why they do that. Names don't matter that much. Remember that. See, in the context of all of this, names and logos really don't matter that much. I haven't talked anything about names and logos, have I? Kind of strange coming from a branding agency. But this is another um, client of ours. They, they serve like very high-end food, uh, expensive stuff, but good stuff. And this was the brand concept that they have chosen. And a couple things are happening here. By doing the due diligence of this brand concept, we're um, creating a visual identity. So now this is the, the look and feel of the communications moving forward. But more importantly, this is the central belief that drives everything that they do. So when it comes time to hire people, we need to hire people that believe this. We don't care if they don't completely understand how to make a, a cocktail or a super juice, right? That can be trained. But what we need to do is focus on people that believe in the power of food, good food. And then from there, we can start to create advertisements that support the attitude, the look and feel, and the products that they sell. So this is like a great big slap across the face of mediocre meals everywhere. This is the type of food that they sell. Our menu, 30% organic juices and tonics, 70% all natural superfoods, 100% unfair competitive advantage. When you realize every meal is the most important meal of the day. So you see we're building a brand here that's got a, a visual identity to it. It's got an attitude about it. And all of these things are different articulations of a belief rather than different articulations of a product benefit. We're not really talking about the product here. We're talking about something far more inspiring, something far more emotional than just the product. Love it or hate it, it's more inspiring, more memorable. And it's a more powerful brand because they've chosen to anchor it, everything that they do, to a belief, right? So you guys can do this too for your, for your companies. If you're so inclined, I assure you it's worth the investment. Talk to your customers. Come to understand how they perceive you, how they perceive your competitors, and try to then figure out how can my company or my clients' companies be different than the rest. From there, using 
some creativity, maybe a little bit of alcohol, you could come up with some brand concepts on your own with the intention of sharing those brand concepts with your customers again. They'll get excited, they'll appreciate it, and you'll have clarity. You'll have a more inspired way to talk about your company, but you'll also have clarity and peace of mind that comes along with knowing that you shared your brand concepts with the audiences that matter the most. Remember, the audiences that matter the most are not in this room. They're your customers, and I know there are probably some customers and clients here. Then, once you have a brand concept, you start to rebuild or build out your website, your business cards, your social media, and now you're consistent, you're anchored to a belief, and you're inspiring your customers. You know this because you talked to them about it. And the rest starts to come easy. That's the process that the big agencies, the big clients are going through. So I thought it would be important to share it with you guys. Almost done here. Just remember, your brand and your product, they're separate things. Your product is nothing more than how you make your money, your product or your service. And your brand is how are you going to be remembered. Two totally different arts and crafts there. Run the risk of being noticed. Make sure you're being different than your client, than your competitors. Because if you're not, you're going to be forgotten. And when you're forgotten, people tend to shop for the lowest price. We don't want any of you in this room to be the low cost provider. Because once someone else comes and finds a way to be the lower cost provider, the end is near. I hate to be bleak because it's very difficult to raise your prices after you've lowered them. So the way to charge a premium is to create a brand that moves people in ways that are more than just economic. Be remembered by something greater than the product that you sell. Ask yourselves not how do I charge less or get more customers, but how do we want to be remembered? The answer, I believe, should be by centering yourself, your organization, around a belief. People will never care about your product as much as you do. You can go through an exercise, have one of your interns take screen grabs of the home pages of 10 of your competitors, tell him or her to remove the logos and try to guess what company it is. It's amazing how many companies are saying the same thing to the buyers. They're not doing themselves any favor, favors. The goal is not to do business with people who want what you have. The goal is to do business with people who believe what you believe. And I believe, we believe at Tacklebox, that when you get the brand right, the rest starts to come easy. Because you're being remembered in the right ways, by the right people, your customers are more loyal, more vocal, more forgiving, and willing to pay a premium. What else could you ask for? This is why the big companies spend hundreds, tens of millions of dollars on getting the brand right. There has to be something to it. And that is the end of the presentation. Yeah, questions? Sure. Okay. Are you, do you find
find that you always need to tie a belief to a philosophical problem that your customer is experiencing? It can be a lot of things, and that's really where the testing comes in. But I will tell you this. Okay, if we were selling jeans and t-shirt, like, well, I guess we are selling jeans and t-shirts. <laughs> if we were selling sunglasses, our brand, we could make it be whatever the hell it is that we want. You know, we, we are Ray-Ban, and we believe that exploring the world is a wonderful thing. Unfortunately, that's not going to work for people in the screen. Your belief has to somewhat be related to the industry that you're in. I just noticed that all the beliefs that you have are tied to a philosophical problem. Yeah, well, they should be, because that's where people's emotions are, right? Remember what I said, like, people don't care about your product as much as you do? What, we, what the goal of a good belief statement is, is to connect your company to something that people already care about, right? This is why Tom's Shoes is not talking about the quality of their shoes. In fact, if the CEO of Tom's Shoes was here, someone just walked in, is this him? No. <laughs> Are you, I have a question about your shoes. You buy a pair, you get a free pair. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Tom's is being remembered by the fact that when you buy a pair, you're saving the world. Not when you're buying a pair, you're getting the greatest pair of shoes. So it's a long answer to a short question. Yes? Um, this is, okay, so Lowe's and Home Depot, both are home improvement stores that sell the same thing. What's the brand different differentiation between the two? Yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard that Home Depot crushed it. Home Depot was the first to market. Home Depot was slaughtering it. But something like 80% of their customers were males. So then the people at Lowe's said, okay, let's be the softer side of, of Home Depot. And so they are much more oriented towards hard, they're not about hardcore home redoers. They're, they've worked really hard to be a more friendly place to shop. Again, that's just anecdotal. It's a great question. I only heard the answer like two weeks ago. So I'm just repeating what I heard. That's there, you can't spell flowers without Lowe's. Oh, see, that's perfect, you see? And if they decided in their boardroom to say, we believe in being the softer side of Home Depot, that's the kind of stuff that comes out of those types of belief-oriented brands, and that's the type of thing people remember. See how that works? Okay, lots of questions. Yeah, right here. So, um, I've always, growing up, believed that politics and religion have no place in business, but based on what I've just heard from you, maybe that should be something we should embrace and be more uh, upfront with that political and religious view. Yeah, that's what corporations are doing right now, you know? Corporations are totally embracing political views. Um, I think it's a good thing because they know who they want to attract. You know, they've obviously done the due diligence and the market analysis to know that, hey, if we bias more towards liberals rather than Republicans, we're going to win as an organization. See, what they're doing is they're dragging their company to something that people already care about. And that's happening a lot in branding right now. In, in Orange County, you'll see that a lot with like uh, Christian-based screen printers. Oh. You'll, you'll see that they get a lot of the larger churches and stuff like that. I totally believe but it. they also won't accept certain jobs. Like a few like brands that I've known, they're like, yeah, they wouldn't print this shirt. Yeah. But um, it works for some people. It works for some people, and that's, that's branding. 
You know, we, we want to attract the right type of customer for us and repel the wrong type of customer. Again, branding is as much about turning off the wrong customer as it is turning on the right customer. I, I wrote this blog post about bottled water, right? I, I don't know why bottled water companies spend any time trying to sell how wonderful the water in their bottle is, right? <laughs> I ended it by saying like, I would sell more bottles of water today talking about the fact that this is the bottled water company for people who hate Donald Trump than I would for people who like delicious water. You see the difference there? I, by the way, I would sell more bottles of water talking about how great Donald Trump is too. You see how I've taken that bottle of water and I've connected it to something that people are already passionate about? That's how you move the needle these days. You don't move the needle by talking about how wonderful, cheap, fast, or great your product is because people expect that out of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but I don't understand why you would want to specifically divide yourself to the buying public whenever you can take things that, like everybody's going to rally around, you know, puppies. But whenever you make this decision like Mikey just did, to offend a significant part of America by not printing a, just pulling a flag shoe, I mean, they're just telling me, to me personally, your money's not green enough for me. Yeah, and, and they're okay to lose you. They... <laughs> no, I, I, trust me, they've got the finance guys that have run the numbers on every yeah. single publicity move that they're making, and they've decided that by doing something controversial, they're going to get 150 million media impressions and free coverage. They're going to be on every news channel from here, from coast to coast, and that is something that Reebok can't say. And if Nike has to lose 2% of its customers, 3%, 4%, maybe they weren't even good customers, um, they're willing to do it because they're willing to run the risk of being noticed. And that's why I said at the very beginning of this, branding is pretty scary. It's pretty scary. But we need to acknowledge that not every customer is the right customer, and we need to separate ourselves from the competition somehow. And a lot of times, by the way we separate is by linking ourselves to politics. Back there? Yeah. Well, it matters if um, literally drag me off of this stool if you need me to go. I don't want to ruin the conference, but um, maybe I already have. I don't know. Uh, if your current name has a bad reputation or something very bad has happened to your organization that people are like starting to hate you, new name change. Um, but all of you have built up some degree of search engine optimization. So if by, there are ways to change a name without losing a lot of that, but you're going to lose some of that, inevitably. But one last thing, I, I have to cut it off. In the context of everything we've talked about today, names really don't matter so much. 
because you can bring all of this positive baggage to any name that you choose, really. The magic is in the stuff we talked about today, not the logo and the name. Time is up. But here's my contact information. I live here. I check emails a lot. So shoot me an email. Link in with me. I'd be happy to chat. Thank you, guys.